Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, online at robertsrobinson.com. We hope everybody had a Merry Christmas, but as you probably noticed, football didn't stop for church or Santa Claus. It was a wild weekend of football that started with the Missouri Tigers in a very disappointing Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, Florida, losing to Wake Forest 27-17. We'll break that down in just a bit with Stan Weber and preview Kansas-Arkansas Wednesday at 4.30 in what should be a wild, high-scoring game. That should be an absolute shootout and a blast to watch. And, of course, Kansas State on Saturday taking on Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in a little bit of a test for the Wildcats, the Big 12 champs, in the Sugar Bowl coming up on Saturday. Stan will preview those two bowl games. We'll talk about what went wrong with Missouri. We'll talk a little college football playoff as well. And, of course, we're going to break down the entire NFL playoff picture. The Chiefs had it pretty easy on Saturday. We put the postgame podcast up. If you want to hear all the thoughts about the Chiefs' performance on Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks, it is available here at KKHI. We put that one up on Christmas Eve for you. It was finally the game the Chiefs have needed. No mistakes, no penalties. Well, a few penalties. They had one that cost them three points, but no turnovers in the ball game. Chiefs took care of the ball, played outstanding defense, just some ridiculous statistical numbers in that, including uh, Bolton with 17 tackles. The Chiefs had 15 stops on third and fourth down. We'll get into all the details of how the Chiefs are playing, what it all means, and, of course, this huge week as the Chiefs have Denver coming up on Sunday, and then Monday night football is Buffalo at Cincinnati, and that will likely decide the one seed. That is the biggest game in a trio of games for the Chiefs that really matter. The three games that matter, Kansas City needs to beat Denver, Buffalo needs to lose to Cincinnati, then the Chiefs have to beat the Raiders. If that happens, the Chiefs are the one seed. Pretty simple stuff. Can they do it? I guess we'll find out, and we'll talk with Stan Weber about all of it. A wild playoff picture in the AFC and the NFC. Jacksonville and Tennessee will be playing for a division championship in two weeks. That's week 18. Miami is hanging in there in the AFC with the seven seed after losing to Tampa in overtime on Sunday night. They lead that by one game over, get this, the Patriots, the Jets, and the Steelers, who are suddenly now somehow still alive in the playoff race. It's absolutely nuts. In the NFC, Philly's the one seed. Dallas is the two. The only thing that changes that is Philadelphia losing two and Dallas winning two. That doesn't look very likely at all. The Giants and Washington are six and seven seeds. That could change. Green Bay is coming on. Green Bay looking pretty good. An impressive win over the Dolphins on Christmas Day. They have Minnesota and Detroit left. And combined with any loss by Washington, Green Bay would be in with those two wins. Washington has to play the Browns and then the Cowboys. Minnesota would need a miracle to become the one seed. They'd have to win two and Philly lose two. That doesn't look likely. So it's really shaping up with just a couple of games to go in the NFL. We'll break it all down with Stan Weber. It is brought to you by North Kansas City Dental, online at nkcdental.com. If you'd like to schedule your appointment in this new year, it's time to switch dentists and go to Dr. Bill Bush. It's a very interesting experience. He'll talk a little Chiefs with you. He'll talk politics with you. He'll leave it all alone. It's really whatever you'd like to do. But know this, when you're in his chair, you're in great hands at North Kansas City Dental. You need a dentist? He's your guy. Anything you'd like to have done, cosmetic dentistry, crowns, veneers, TMJ, teeth whitening, you name it. A couple of Chiefs players have even gone in there and had diamonds set in their teeth. He'll do it all. NKCDental.com. 
Back Nine Development is online at backninedevelopment.com. The new year is a great time for many business people to think about how they're going to expand or change in the upcoming year. If you're thinking about a new building for your company or expanding what you already have, or if you're in the business of real estate or development, Back Nine Development would love to partner with you. You bring some investors. They've got some great ideas, all kinds of cool places and projects and things to do. You might want to meet TJ and sit down with him and see if your business merges with his business. Back9development.com. Also a custom home builder. You name it, TJ is on it. A beautiful portfolio available to look at on his website if you want to see exactly what they do. Back9development.com. And 360 Document Solutions in Western Missouri and the entire state of Kansas. Pretty much any business with an office can benefit from meeting with Mark and his team at 360 Document Solutions. Find out how to save money this year with your company, whether it has to do with copiers, printers, IT solutions, mail systems, phone systems, anything around the office that you use. 360 Document Solutions can get you a newer equipment that's more efficient and productive and costs less. What business doesn't want that? Make the call to Mark and his team at 913-745-5344. Online at 360documentsolutions.com. Stan Weber is here for the football feast, and we got a lot to talk about in this big bowl week and the playoff push. Hit it! The KK Has Issues conversation is presented by Buck Roofing, online at rbuckroofing.com. Sleep well knowing Buck Roofing fixed the roof over your head. No holiday for our man Stan. No chance. He is on his way to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl call Saturday, Kansas State and Alabama, and we are going to start with college football because Mizzou got it off with a thud in so many ways, but KU's very excited about a game on Wednesday, K-State on Saturday, an epic showdown against Alabama. We'll get to the Chiefs, the entire playoff picture and everything, but Stan... Happy holidays. I hope your Christmas was great. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Kevin. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody out there. Hopefully uh, you had an enjoyable weekend. It's hard to tell what day it is, but there's going to be football. Uh, We've seen that, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Hopefully everyone had a chance to see their families and the NFL uh, on Sunday. I can't wait to see the ratings, Kevin. You know, something that you track, the NBA tries to make Christmas Day a big day for the NBA. And the NFL stepped in with three games. So I'm interested to see what the distribution of ratings are going to be because uh, it's just unique to have that Christmas football. But, yeah, now it's really bowl season. It's time to get started. Well, wait a second. Missouri's already played. But this is really when the power conferences get after it. You know, after today, uh, a kind of quiet day in the bowl season. But after today, Kevin, it gets hot and heavy. And if you're bowl eligible, you're going to have a lot of fun this week with your fellow fans well i'll if we're going to take a stab at the ratings i'll say this i didn't realize the nba was playing on sunday so <laughs> that ought to tell you everything you need to know so that's everything you need to, however the broncos game was such a disaster i think it's it's going to be an absolute uh, stinker of a rating but the first game up was really good the packers and the dolphins we'll get into everything that happened in the nfl and where the chiefs are because they played a really solid game on saturday but let's start with this let's let's revisit because I, I don't want to just have missouri's Football season, it didn't exist, and we never revisited. I don't know when we'll talk Mizzou football again, but this was a thud, man. This was, it was, it was a bad, bad bowl game on many levels. Not only was the play not good, and Missouri's play extremely disappointing. They say there were fewer than ten thousand fans total 
at that game in Tampa for Wake Forest's 27-17 win over the Missouri Tigers. And we saw Missouri teammates get into a fight during the game over a disagreement of a Missouri player helping the Wake Forest quarterback up off the ground, and then the Missouri players started fighting. This was a terrible way to end the season for the Missouri Tigers. I still don't know why they played in that bowl game. We can It's not second-guessing because we just thought going in this was a bad idea for Missouri to be playing in this bowl game, but it was worse than I thought. Your thoughts on how it ended with a thud for Mizzou? Well, the thing that I thought as the game unfolded, and we got to understand the cold weather burst that hit even the southern parts of the United States was so unusual and surprising. So you could ha- say that had an effect on attendance and those kind of things. But I still thought there is no reason in my mind that made sense how Missouri could sell us administratively that this is a good bowl to go to in something like the Liberty doesn't mean they have to go to the Liberty Bowl, but still to say that this is the bowl we want to be at, I didn't think it was going to be well attended anyway. And then with the weather, it added to it. So, it, it, and it's before Christmas. I, I mean it. The good teams don't play before Christmas. Uh, that's just the way it is. It's kind of a rhythm to this thing. So Missouri had to play, and then they had issues. Wake Forest is a good team. Uh, we knew that going in, but Missouri season was on the line. Things did not go well to start, but they got a reprieve, Kevin. They really had a chance to hit the reset button and had the lead. And here you go. You have the lead. Uh, Wake Forest threw their big punch to you, and now you can come back and react and say, hey, we're an SEC team. We got the lead. We're going to be physical. And then Wake Forest took off and finished the game off winning, uh, you know, fairly easily for a, a high competitive game. And then the kind of things you saw with the players really trying to argue with each other, fight, whatever was going on out there. It took a while for that to simmer down on the field while the game was still trying to be played, right? And for that reason, to, you know, hey, picking up a guy who just got hit hard off the ground, and I just, it was just not a good day for Missouri. And we said, in my opinion, I've been saying for a long time, Good comeback in the second half of the season, disappointing first half of the season, but really a six and seven record and a loss in this bowl game compared to winning this bowl game, finishing off with almost all wins down the stretch, beating Arkansas in a, a fun big game and going off into the offseason looking at recruiting and the good things that can happen. I thought it was just double or nothing, Kevin. It really was defined to me the Missouri season 2022 and it had come up to one point what happens in the bowl game. And to me, is thumbs down on many fronts. And I just, as the game was, I was watching the game, I go, this is an administrative loss. This isn't Eli Drinkwitz only. Uh, if they had anything to do with not wanting to play closer to home, maybe the Liberty Bowl against Kansas and all that, this is just not what you want to do to say, hey, let's go to Florida and try to play a game and, and make it a big deal right before Christmas. It just didn't make any sense, and it ended up being a bad day for Mizzou. Yeah, they'd be packed on Wednesday playing Kansas at the Liberty Bowl. That stadium would be full, and it'd be jumping. It'd be an awful lot of fun. And, and so many people take this week off between the holidays that they have the availability to watch these games now, go to these games. It becomes kind of football season. The holidays are, well, the Christmas holiday anyway, is behind us. I'm 100% with you. I think they made many mistakes here. And I'm wondering in my head, I, you can't do a scientific poll, but if we could – Missouri football fans scientifically 
Uh, Eli Drinkwitz, stay or go. I'm not sure they would vote right now to retain him. I'm not sure 50% of the fans would say this is the way to go. And I feel like they're a six and six season away next year from him being fired. I, I just, I don't see it. I think, I think it's been long enough. I think we know what Missouri is under Eli Drinkwitz. And I think there was just enough bad this year to say, look, it's not going to get really good. It may get slightly better than this, but it's not going to get really good. And I, I feel like this era is, this is not going to work out. I, I just don't think Eli Drinkwitz is going to make a step. And I think I've made up my mind. Is that too harsh? No, I don't think so at all, because I think the mind, the initial reaction was way too positive, in my opinion, uh, that everyone loved how he won the press conference and how much fun he was at SEC Media Days. And During that COVID year, that win over LSU was a lot of fun. And he had an offensive guy coming in here. And, and then the recruiting was another thing to jump on to and say, I like his attitude. I, I love his recruiting. Here we go. Well, Kevin, I just don't analyze football that way. The recruiting doesn't mean much to me at all. I can't tell which players are going to be good or bad. You know, simple example, I'm getting ready to see K-State play Alabama. Tell me which guys do spawn. I mean, that's a guy I want to have on my squad. And that doesn't necessarily correlate with the stars. I think basketball is way more predictable on this. They play AAU circuits. They play at prep schools. Uh, these guys go find summer competition. I think it's easier to project a, a high school basketball player into what they're going to be in college and maybe even in the NBA, Kevin, than I can do with football. In football, you're just one of many members on your team. You're going to have to gain, wow, 20 to 40 pounds to compete at the college level, no matter what size you are. There are just so many things left. And, your development and playing against guys your own size and everything else. I just don't have a lot of time for saying this guy's great in high school. Therefore they're going to be great in college. So I don't give a lot of credit for the recruiting. I don't give any credit for having fun at the SEC media days or, you know, have, having this great uh, persona to the public. Football is hard and I want to see an edge and, and you got to watch usually on the field for, so Eli Drinkwitz, I was, in neutral to start with and been in neutral almost all the time until we got to this season, Kevin. And I did a, a deeper dive when K-State was getting ready to play Missouri this summer. I did a deeper dive and I go, you know, the questions that I have about Eli Drinkwitz, I think he takes some shots at opponents that aren't needed. And I thought that's what he did a little bit you know, throughout his career. I yeah. go, gosh, you just, that is not a good correlation for me, Kevin, to think you're cute and, and make fun of Tennessee for this or, you know, now we, he kind of joked about Kansas recently. We know it. But if you go back and look at his quotes, Kevin, this has been the same thing for a long time. And when he came in, I didn't realize that at App State, he was only there one year. Right. And previous to that, I didn't think his resume had a lot of substance where he was the decision maker and made things go, either building a program or even running an offensive system. So neutral, I thought was absolutely fair forever, Kevin. And then I've been slightly negative starting this year yeah. and then as the season's unfolded I think it's so where my mind was Kevin is he's not too much different and if you would have won this game kept his defensive coordinator you know, got a little momentum maybe I could get him back to neutral I'm slightly underneath with arrow turning down but the momentum swing you know if, if on a one to ten I'm sitting at a five a lot of Missouri fans started at a ten and then a nine and if they're at a four with me right now Kevin that's just a big downturn. You know, it's a 
giant momentum difference, and that hurts coaching yeah, career. And he was supposed to bring an offense and be a creative offensive guy, and he's got an experienced quarterback, and they put 17 points on the board, and it was very frustrating watching their offense perform in this game. So uh, bad finish there for Mizzou, and I, I don't think there's any momentum or mojo this week that they're going to try to get rid of him now. They just gave him a two-year extension, so I think he's back next year. But I, I think he is – Right, you know, when they start doing a top five coaches on a hot seat next year, I think Eli Drinkwitz is right at the top. One guy that will be nowhere near that list is Lance Leipold at Kansas. Stan, there are reports Arkansas has had as many as 23 players leave the program between the end of the season and this bowl game. Wait for this statistic, okay? We know Kansas is good on offense. We know their offensive coordinator is one of the hottest guys in the country. And he got an extension. Leipold got an extension. All the coaches are staying. They're doing all the right things at Kansas. This game means something to them. Arkansas this year was number 123 in the country defensively in giving up yards per play. Now, it is said that they have lost 23 players, many of those on defense. Can you explain to me how Kansas doesn't score at least 48 points in this game? This thing should be wild on Wednesday. Wow, you didn't stop at 40. You put an eight on there. Eight. Uh, that, that. <laughs> Up and down all day, buddy. You know, Arkansas is willing to play that way, Kevin. Uh, we know that. How do you predict these bowl games when there are opt-outs? And, you know, I, I again, uh, my high horse, that you know, I just do not understand how the SEC says it just means more. Meaning, I think football. I don't think that saying has a lot to do with academics or rowing team. You know, maybe. Maybe they're, you know, Kevin, I think it's football. It's football. When it's, it just means more. Yeah. And and then they're so willing to say, well, this game wasn't up to the standard that we thought, so we're not going to play well in this bowl game. Or we have opt-outs everywhere. And because we have so many NFL stars or whatever, yeah, I just don't get it means more. It's football and you don't want to play. I, I just, it's hard for me well, this to is, think about. With Arkansas, it's, it's not the NFL so much as this is transfer portal. This is bailing ship. There's a lot There's a lot of rats jumping the yeah. ship at Arkansas That's a whole right new now. thing now, right? Yeah. That's a whole new thing. But I just, you know, for instance, we saw Florida play in a bowl game and just get wiped out. Uh, never looked like they could compete. And, you know, that's not true with an SEC team at the level of Florida. So, you know, what version of Arkansas are we going to get? Because, Historically, Arkansas has really liked playing in the Liberty Bowl. You know, the fans show up. It's a really home-feeling crowd. The bowl game matters. You know, I've seen, I've seen K-State play Arkansas twice in bowl games, and I've seen how they want to get after it, and the Liberty Bowl has a special place. And you think about all those things, and then you go, but with people transferring and not available, what are they actually going to do? And you know Kansas is locked in, excited. A hundred percent. I just, I just keep that. I just keep thinking, forty-eight points. Oh my! But KU uh, has done that this year. They have scored points like that. I think their offensive coordinator may be one of the five most underrated coaches in the whole country. Well, he's not I mean, underpaid anymore. He got good. a big raise. He's not underpaid anymore, and they knew people were going to come calling, so they got that nipped in the bud. And I'm with you. I think Kansas, if we started doing a top five list of teams that the bowl game is most important to, I think it's Kansas. I think they're playing this thing like it's their Super Bowl. And look, maybe Arkansas is just better. Maybe they have better players. Maybe the SEC is just better. I love, I mean, love Kansas in this game. Yeah, well, again, you just said 48 points. I would love any team that you told me they're going to score 48. So, <laughs> I, yeah. No, Kansas, 
you know, you could see where when Florida got beat badly, um, I believe by Oregon State, it didn't look close. And you could see that separation possibility here that Kansas just gets after it and Arkansas doesn't have any answer, that they just mentally aren't engaged enough to have an answer. But generally, I think it'll be closer than that. I think Arkansas's athletes uh, have competed at a level that's higher than Kansas has been used to at certain times, and they have good athletes. So I expect it to be a close game, but I I can see where Kansas could be thought of as a favorite as you start thinking about it and splitting the hairs. And if Kansas is up by 20, we'll just be laughing, going, how did we not see this? You did, Kevin. You saw it, 48 points and in a big lead. But until proven otherwise, I think you know getting ready for bowl games are an interesting phenomenon. Kansas is going to have to go through it. They haven't done it. They're inexperienced. You know, it's sitting out for so long. Can you imagine if the Chiefs finished the regular season here in two weeks and then had to wait another month before they played that first playoff game? How would they be? You know, what would how would they get themselves in a sequence to be back on target? So I think those issues come into play to make it a closer game. But Kansas has nothing to lose and everything to gain. If they fumble four times, and lose by 14 well, to Arkansas, sure. yeah. we're not going to be upset with them. No. We're not going to say there's anything wrong with that. No, And it, if they win by 10 or 20 and look good doing it over Arkansas, huge. an SEC team in that kind of environment where it was, you know, there's legitimate fans there and a, a aura about the game, I mean, that would just be such a boost to Kansas football. Well, I can't – I'm not big into looking at one thing before a game and saying, okay, this is it. I can't get past this. Kansas was top five in the country all year long in yards per play offensively. They just were. They were terrific all year long, no matter who played quarterback. They, they get chunks. They get big plays. They've done this consistently. It doesn't matter really who they've played all year. Arkansas's defense was number 123 in the country in that statistic, which means they give up a lot of big plays, and they've been terrible at it, and now they've had 23 players transfer. So I just I'm looking at it like I I can't see it any other way, man. I it's going to be fun. 4:30 Wednesday is the Liberty Bowl, and I'm I'm excited for Kansas fans to have something to look forward to. And I don't I'm not going back to the Missouri thing, but this could have been so much fun coming up on Wednesday. On Saturday, the game you're calling the Sugar Bowl. Kansas State's never been in the Sugar Bowl. They're playing Alabama. Alabama is not opting out. They don't have a bunch of transfers. And it feels to me like, you tell me if I'm wrong, it feels to me like maybe Nick Saban went to a couple of his players and said, look, we are not putting a Kansas State loss on our resume. It's one thing to go play Oklahoma and lose a bowl game and maybe have some players out or something like that. This isn't the college football playoff, which Alabama's accustomed to. So this is a step down for them to just be playing in a bowl game. But to get everybody basically playing against Kansas State, to me, sounds like he was very worried about having a loss to Kansas State on his resume. That could be there, and uh, you know, you might be thinking that you're saying something that could be thought of as negative about K-State or conservative about your school, Kevin. You know, Alabama doesn't even know about Kansas State and where they are. They're called K-State, maybe. You know, I mean, those kind of things, that it's out of their league. But I'll tell you what, any Big 12 team, I think that they would be saying – I think they would be saying um, – this is unacceptable. And having a third loss, Kevin, in a season, that's just un-Alabama-like. But it's, it's great. It makes me feel warm inside that somewhere there's a program that is thinking in terms of football does matter. How about Alabama? Heisman Trophy quarterback last year is going to play in the ball game. He is 
thought to be the first pick in the NFL draft as we sit here right now. And their best defensive player is also top five NFL draft pick, and they're going to play in the game. So it's pretty cool that Saban is able to tell the guys, you have something to gain here. You have Alabama pride to take care of, and you had a Sugar Bowl victory, but also show the NFL how great you are and how committed you are to football. All right, let me stop you there. You're the smartest football guy I know. You've had two sons play college football. Would you want your son, if he was the number one pick in the draft, to be playing in this game? Yes. And what would you say? What would you say to him and why? I would say if this game doesn't matter and we're worried about getting injured in this game and losing your value as an NFL first round pick um, or first pick overall, why didn't we worry about that when, when Alabama played Auburn in the last game? Why didn't we worry? They were number seven or eight in the country, almost no chance of getting in the college football playoff. Right. I mean, I just don't get this. If the bowl game doesn't matter, then tell me about the three games before that that doesn't matter. As soon as Alabama lost the second game this year, we started saying, Kevin, on this podcast even, you know, I think Alabama is out this year. And once that happens, then the kids all should have quit. And, and that's what I call it, quitting. And I've talked to some coaches who are going, you know, I'm tired of calling it opting out. It's quitting. And yep. so, you know, I, I would tell my kid, you play for Alabama, you play all the way through. Absolutely. I would be telling my kid to play, that this game is no different than game 11. All right. Uh, it's going to be a tremendous game. How do you think Kansas State matches up against Alabama? We know that there's obviously more NFL players on the Alabama roster to be playing in this game. But the way Kansas State plays defense, it's a unique style defense. Can they slow Alabama down? And can Kansas State score against this Alabama defense? Yes, K-State can compete with Alabama. But let's talk about some important distinctions when we talk about this. If you watch K-State play against Texas, Kevin, and you watch the whole game, or if I mixed in series after series but mixed it in from first half to second half, you would see Texas do some things where K-State just had no answer for what the NFL offensive lineman that Texas had and B. John Robinson running the ball and you know, throwing to a great wide receiver and a really good tight end, and you're just going, yep, Texas is better. But there were just as many series, for instance, in the second half when K-State was outplaying Texas and looking very comfortable. The game unfolded where it was all Texas, big lead, kind of game over in most people's mind, and then K-State came back into fighting range. If you would have mixed those series together and not have Texas so far out in front, you might have been looking at a close game with some give and take. I think that's what you're going to find in the Alabama game. Alabama, when they are focused and hitting their plays the way they'd like and getting a little rhythm and momentum, Kevin, will look like, yes, this is the best team in football, even except for Georgia. You know, Alabama's probably the second best team in the country. I agree. Uh, So, and, and, uh, you know, seven years out of the last nine years, they've been in the playoff. Uh, The bowl games are the first round of the playoffs, Kevin. They've won seven straight bowl games. I mean, Alabama is the gold standard. They aren't as good as Georgia this year, but they split with Georgia. They split with Georgia last year. And so Alabama is as good as anybody in the country, and they're going to look like it at times, Kevin. But can K-State limit the amount of time that occurs? Can it be a drive here or a drive there? And then K-State stays within striking distance and makes this a game? or is it just going to be 
a, a big enough lead. I don't expect Alabama to run out like Texas did. So my point is, you're going to watch a series or two here or there, Kevin, where you just shake your head and go, yep, K-State can't play at the level. And I don't think anybody should be embarrassed about that. But the chances of Alabama doing that all game long are very minimal. Okay, Kevin? They'll have their stretches. They did when they played Auburn. They, they had their moments where you just go, wow, Auburn can't play with them. And then you watch, you know, 10 minutes later, and Auburn's moving the ball. Here's why K-State has a chance. Alabama is going to try to make you play a very high-level mental game. Nick is like Bill Belichick. He changes up things. He'll play an even front and an odd front. Well, most teams do one or the other. Alabama will do both, and they'll switch right before the ball snaps. They'll bring blitzes. They'll play every coverage. They'll play NFL combo coverages. They'll do all kinds of things to put you in a mental state that is you have to be elite or things can go wrong. Well, guess what K-State's number one strength is, Kevin? Number one is K-State's mental capacity to handle. They shift the defense right before the ball snaps. K-State's offensive line is as good as anybody in the country at saying, no problem, we know how to block this up. Will Howard, I think he knows football as well as any quarterback in all of college football. I think he can read where the keys are and know where the gaps are to be able to attack, and he calmly will handle blitzes, different situations if he needs to audibleize. And often it's not audibleizing. It's after the ball snaps, they change coverages. And he goes, oh, I was going to throw to the right side, but now I'm going to throw to my left. They have a whole month, Kevin, to study Alabama. You give K-State's offensive line, Will Howard, and this coaching staff a chance to study someone for a whole month, they're not going to be tricked by Alabama. The second thing Alabama wants to do to you is intimidate you. They want to have that run where they score two quick touchdowns and they sack you and you have a three and out. They scored 14 points and you're looking over listening to that fight song you've heard your whole life going, oh my, Alabama is about ready to pound us. K-State, the other thing that K-State has that Alabama would love to impose is, do you have the toughness, the mental toughness to handle the negativity? Will you be intimidated? Guess what, Kevin? There is zero chance that K-State won't play all the way 60 minutes without being intimidated, without worrying about what the score is, and fight like crazy. When you can do that, then you can have a chance against Alabama. Now, why can you have a better chance than that against Alabama? Here's what throws games. When you have a player on defense, Kevin, that just dominates a game, or two or three guys that you cannot handle, that you cannot block, then you can say game over. Well, I study Alabama's team, and they got one superstar player, but he doesn't play in a dominating fashion that often. And other than that, they have a bunch of good players. If K-State had to go against a defensive line of Alabama that was just so intimidating and so SEC-dominant-like, then they could blow up every play, I'd be worried. But they don't, Kevin. Their three rushers up front, when they play that three-man front, are big and strong, but they don't dominate and create havoc in the backfield. K-State should be able to move the ball. There's a lot of opening out there. There's a lot of green grass. And when K-State's on defense, they're good against the pass. Alabama likes to they have a new receiving core that's not dominant. They like to throw to the running back. K-State's going to guard that. So I think it could end up with fits and spurts, like a Rocky fight. Remember when Rocky busted him from one side to the other to the ring, and then maybe they'd have a scene where you know the other guy busts him across the ring? There will be times where momentum is going to be heavily in one team's area and then back to the other. But all in all, I think K-State has a chance. 
a real chance to win the game. I think they match up very, very well with Alabama. The one right. thing you will watch, if Alabama can hand off the ball and run, they don't have a 1,000-yard running back, Kevin. They do not have superstar running backs or superstar wide receivers. But if their offensive line can get after K-State in the running game like Texas did, then that throws the yeah. advantage to Texas. Yeah. I mean, to, to Alabama. If they can run, then you know they got a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Yep. When he can throw when he wants to, Kevin, you know, it's going to be easy. So Alabama has the every capability of getting your 48 points you're going to give it to Kansas. You know, that can happen again. So let's watch this. Can K-State slow down the Alabama run? If they can, then it is game on with a chance. And that's all you can hope for is a chance to beat Alabama. 11 o'clock on Saturday, right before the college football playoff starts. Let's not spend a lot of time on these games. I just want to get your thoughts on TCU and Michigan and then Georgia and Ohio State. We'll spend some time down the road about the national championship matchup. But, I mean, I, I like Michigan. I, I think they're a nice football team, but I think the Big Ten was not very good this year. I can't think of a very good reason why TCU won't be playing with Michigan. I think they hang with them tooth and nail and actually have a chance to win this game. Georgia's just been better than everyone. And we know Ohio State didn't look good at all against the one really good team they played. That was Michigan. So I, I, you know, I like Georgia to win, but I think TCU Michigan's more of a toss up. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. Uh, the way Jim Harbaugh's Michigan team wants to play is to control a, a battle at the line of scrimmage, kind of old school Big Ten football in that kind of tradition. Doesn't mean they don't have big play capability. That's how they beat Ohio State. But I do think Michigan would feel very comfortable winning a game. 27, 24, 24, 21. Obviously, TCU is a team that says, we have such an explosive offense. Why aren't we going to score a lot more points than that? And I think in today's modern football that the offense has an advantage over the defense. You know, defense is supposedly where you win championships. I'm saying it backwards, Kevin. I think offense in 2022 mm. has a, an advantage over defense. So I kind of think TCU is going to win the game. I think the Big Ten was a weak conference this year. It's unbelievable that two of their teams are in a college football playoff. It is unbelievable because the Big Ten had its overall, all 14 teams, worst season in yep. 25 years. There weren't very many good good teams. And I think Michigan is not explosive. I kind of think TCU is going to win this game. I like Harbaugh. I think Michigan is a, a much more credible team than Ohio State is because they play hard every game. But give me a little bit of offense and a bounce back from TCU, I think TCU might win this game. Yep, I'm with you. And Georgia, uh, what, do you, what do you put here around? An 85% chance they beat well, Ohio gotta, State? You know, I got to give Georgia all the credit that they're the best team and the, the best team in the SEC and all that. So, yeah, I'm going to say Georgia likely to win. If Ohio State plays their average game, which is the average of all 12 games they played before, then I think Georgia is definitely the better team and goes ahead and takes care of business you know, by 17 points or, or something like that. But I do have in the back of my mind this ugly feeling, and I just think it's awful, that Ohio State's NFL players might all come together and put it all together. Remember in 2014, Ohio State should not have been in a college football playoff. TCU was number four, going, number three going in, Kevin, whipped Iowa State, and they and Baylor got thrown to the side. And Ohio State and Ezekiel Elliott were put into the college football playoff as the number four seed, and all they did is put on a show and win a national championship. So uh, Ohio State is, is, has not played great football this year. I hope they play their normal selves and get whipped by Georgia. 
and prove that they should. I don't even think they should have been in the college football playoff. I agree. Alabama probably should yep. have been in Ohio State. Why did Ohio State get a free run after getting whipped by Michigan, barely beating Rutgers, not well, playing well yeah. against Northwestern? I know. What did Ohio I, State do? I, they don't. They just don't do it with humans like they used to. They they got one loss, so they're in, and so that's what you get with Ohio State, and and that's the end of that. And they didn't even have to go to play their championship game. They could have lost that too. So. I'm with you. I don't think there's any question Alabama's better than Ohio State, but we're we're about to go to a 12-team field, and there won't be any more discussion about this stuff as we go forward. So I'm with you. I hope Georgia just pounds them and and you know sends a loud signal that hey, this wasn't right at all. And I think Alabama has some of that in the back of their mind too. I think they they want to go win their game and win it decisively, and figure Ohio State's going to lose and make the committee look bad. I, I think there is a lot of that, and Saturday should be a great day of football. Stay in the NFL. We'll kick back up on Sunday. The Chiefs have the Broncos, who look like they are absolutely done. So I'm going to write that down as a win. And then we'll watch the Monday night game of Buffalo at Cincinnati. I do like Cincinnati in that game. I think the Chiefs are going to have every opportunity still to be the one seed. Before we address that and get your thoughts on that, what did you like about the Chiefs Seahawks on Saturday? For me, it was simply the defense. And I feel like these guys... We've heard some players say that they've heard some chatter and been on social media that people think they're not very good or whatever. I feel like there was some of that in that defensive performance. I loved what I saw Saturday. That looked like playoff football. Yes, and it looked like legitimate cold-weather football. It looked like old-school Marty Schottenheimer football almost. The defense dominated. Geno Smith's face just told the whole story. I mean, he kind of got his feet back underneath him in the fourth quarter and made a push, but he was in shock, Kevin. He could not believe how good the Chiefs were, maybe the weather, uh, maybe not having Tyler Lockett around. I don't know, but he looked in a, he looked like in a daze like when Derek Thomas and Neil Smith were coming around the corner. Remember those days when yes. quarterbacks just did not look like you'd watch him play week after week, and then you'd see him play in Arrowhead, and you're like, that's not the quarterback I've been watching. Did you get that feel? Yeah. I mean, Gino, I could not keep my eyes off of his face he just looked like he was in shock and had no chance it was to attack the Chiefs it was always third down and they always failed now this is a Chiefs defense that we've been complaining all year can't get off the field and to be honest much of it has been about mistakes the Chiefs would have third and seven or something and they'd they'd make a stop but then there'd be a defensive holding or something in a first down you'd see things like that Seattle was two out of 14 on third down the Chiefs on third and fourth down in this game stopped Seattle 15 times. Nick Bolton had 17 tackles. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I, I, I obviously what you said summarized the game perfectly. Like, what did you like? Defense. And that is, you know, could be the end of the story. But I'm saying what's different about this, and, and maybe the weather has something to do with it, Kevin, but Seattle supposedly was like a lot of NFL teams we've seen play well with their back to the wall kind of season crumbling a little bit. Usually that's when you get that great effort from an NFL team, more focus, and usually it doesn't matter if it's the weather or the opponent. Hey, Seattle, look, it reminded me of Marty Schottenheimer's days when it, when the opponent got dazed, back when you could create physicality in games. You remember you used to hit people hard and intimidate them and get them off their games? I thought that one of the great plays of the game is Seattle really maybe threatening to possibly not only backdoor cover, but, you know, make it a, an interesting game. And Geno Smith, when he runs from the pocket, decides to throw, you know, a pass to a guarded receiver over the middle 
thinking he could fit the ball in for 15 yards rather than just running. Why didn't he just run, Kevin? It was a wide open field in front of him. He finally, you know, he he had a chance to make a play for his team. He wanted no part of it. His brain was not wired that way. You know, it's just when, when you're in kind of a shock and you are not feeling to the opponent, it, it was amazing to see. I, I thought it was more about breaking the Seahawks. There's, there's a impressive part of this. You can go through the stats and the great plays and everything else, the pass rush. You know, yeah, all, the Chiefs deserve credit for every bit of that, period. Holding them to 10 points and all of that. But I'm telling you, we don't see very often in pro football where one team just does not look like themselves and are in complete shock and get whipped all over the field. We saw with the Rams being the Broncos, right? We saw that. That was as broken as we've seen an NFL team get on the field. But I propose to you that the Seahawks will look back at the tape if they go evaluate all 17 games this year and go, I just didn't look like us. What was that? That, Kevin, is the Chiefs dictating yep. the game. The defense wearing them out, letting them know that they're, we're, we're coming to hit you and everything's guarded. Nobody's open. Don't think about running, scrambling, passing. We got it all. That does not happen in the NFL. I thought that was so impressive. All right, do the Chiefs get the one seed? Seattle Seahawks, right? The Seahawks might get a great effort. Right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you. I thought you had stopped there for a second. It must have uh, broken up for just a second right there. Do the Chiefs get the one seed, Stan? It sounds like a lot has to have to happen here, but to me, not really. The Chiefs got to beat Denver and the Raiders, and Buffalo has to lose at Cincinnati. I think the key in that, obviously, at least for this week, is does Cincinnati beat Buffalo? I think they do. Why am I so confident they're going to beat Buffalo? Well, you, you maybe you talked to me too long about buying into Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Burrow and uh, those guys find a way to win. But we, we must watch. Hey, they're winners. And, and I'm, I'm as big a Cincinnati uh, believer as there is around the Midwest here uh, in our area. And I've been the first one on the bandwagon, I think, and I stick with it. But They've had their quarters, Kevin, where things haven't gone well. They've not, they're not playing perfect football. And their defense is not dominating to the level they were uh, at the beginning of this winning streak. They are on a winning streak. And, it's, and what it played in the playoffs last year. They were hitting on all cylinders. Their defensive coordinator loved what he does. Uh, and Joe Burrow with Chase is out there is amazing. But I think that Buffalo really does have a good chance to win this game. They've not been play, playing great football, but this is their chance to really have to play in a big game. And suddenly everyone starts thinking that Cincinnati is going to win this game. I think that sets up well for the Bills. So, yeah, I can see it going either way, but I don't, I don't have a lean towards Cincinnati, mm. even though I normally have a belief in them. I think Buffalo is going to play out of their mind, put together a game like they did against the Chiefs, and try to take care of business right now. Because you had mentioned last week, that the Chiefs' schedule is not over. They had Seattle, but you really had that Raiders game as a dangerous game, right? And so I think now Buffalo is probably looking and going, we can't count on the Raiders having enough juice in Week 17 to compete with the Chiefs. Can't count on that. And everyone's telling us how great Cincinnati is. It's going to be on Monday night football and all of that. So I think you give it a dead-even game. I'm comfortable with that. But if you made me pick, absolutely, I'll go 50.1 Buffalo over Cincinnati on Monday. All right, let's take a, a quick snapshot at the rest of the AFC. Miami is right now the seven seed. Boy, is anything worse than Tua when he's bad? That was just absolutely hideous watching him play. The Patriots uh, are right, and the Jets are a game behind. Pittsburgh now suddenly is in this thing. It'd be a long shot, but they're there. 
I don't know if you, I mean, Miami has the one game lead, so I guess they have to be the favorites, but they're playing at New England and then they have the Jets. I could see them losing both those games or winning both. I'm not really sure I know. The other spot up for grabs is Jacksonville and Tennessee will actually play each other next week, not this week, but next week, and that will decide their division, as I understand it, and that team will be in. Amazingly, Jacksonville has a shot. Uh, these teams that are not in right now, if I, we talk about Jacksonville, New England, the Jets, Pittsburgh, do you think we're going to see some drama here in the last two weeks? Ton, tons of drama. Uh, from a Chiefs fan, you always want to root for things because every little inch matters. Uh, so you would love to play certain teams and you want to stay, avoid other teams. We said in the playoffs we expect all seven teams to be dangerous in the AFC. There was an exception. Uh, I'm not sure Tennessee's really hitting on all cylinders. It, Tannehill's not playing. So they don't have a, a veteran quarterback at all. So I think if we just started the playoffs last week before this weekend's games, Kevin, uh, I think it, I would have said we've got some dangerous teams down there when you talk about Miami and the Chargers are your seven and six seed, but I don't think Tennessee really is that dangerous. So of your seven teams, you'd like to play Tennessee. Will that work out? I don't know. But I think now I want to stratify, Kevin, and, and make a, a distinction here. Miami is dangerous. Jacksonville is dangerous and more dangerous than Tennessee, but they're kind of the low-level danger, okay? Yeah. If the Chiefs were to play one of those two teams, I think it would be too big for prime time. You know, I just think Miami is not playing well enough. Five weeks ago, I would have said, boy, Miami is not a seven seed. You'd want to see if the Chiefs are the number two seed. You're like, man, that is a bad draw, having to play them. Or if you, if they, if you go chalk in the first games and you're the number one seed, and here comes the, the champion of the AFC South, you know, be it at Tennessee or Jacksonville. Let's say it's Jacksonville now. They're playing better. You could make a case for Trevor Lawrence and – in Etienne, there's, they got good quarterback running back. Uh, Ingram is playing very well at tight end for them. Jacksonville's on a high. They're playing good. They're, they're dangerous for Jacksonville, but they're not dangerous like the Chargers. So I think it, the things are settling out right now where it's okay if Miami's in the playoffs. That's just fine. If it's New England, they're, the seven seed is not as hard to beat in my mind, Kevin, and the AFC South champion is not that hard. That's two out of the seven teams that you might end up playing that I would feel very good. I think when the Chargers roll into town, it is going to be game on. If you're Cincinnati and you're hosting them, if you're Buffalo or you're Kansas City, it's like, wow. Yeah, I don't want to play the Really? Chiefs. This yeah. is the wild card team coming in? And it's even harder for the Chiefs because I believe division foes can upset division foes more easily. Yeah. It's not as big a leap. It doesn't feel like when you play Chiefs versus Chargers, it doesn't ever feel like a playoff game. Does that make sense? Like yeah. you play them so often that you just you don't think it's a big deal. And when the underdog doesn't think it's a big deal and can settle and play a little bit more free and easy and not be intimidated or nervous about losing, makes them more dangerous. So I do not want to see the Chargers come into Arrowhead. It's going to. I feel hard. a lot better about playing Miami now. They're 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 struggling. It's it's going to be so hard. The AFC playoffs are going to be so hard. Whoever comes out of that thing will have played very well. I know that. I think Philly, you know, there's no cakewalk in the NFL, but it it doesn't look to me like anybody's going to knock Philly out. I mean, they, they look like they're headed to the Super Bowl. I just think they, they have that look, and the NFC has that kind of makeup. I mean, we're sitting here talking about Tampa is going to play the Panthers. They're all under 500. One of those teams is going to, well, we'll just take a shot. Do you think Tampa beats the Panthers and wins the division and gets into the playoffs, or is Tampa such a mess right now they're just 
maybe they don't. The Panthers are obviously playing better. I think Carolina is going to make the playoffs, and Philadelphia is a Super Bowl-level team, but I'm not signing off on San Francisco yet, Kevin. I just yep. they it, it, unbelievably, if they get good quarterback play, the rest of their team's better than Philadelphia. I will take their defense over Philadelphia's. I will take their offensive weapons over Philadelphia's. Uh, I think San Francisco is really good. It's so hard to say because the quarterback play may be as questionable as there is in the NFL right now. So can they overcome that? That's hard. So I'll give you Philly first, no doubt. But I do think the Niners could be in the Super Bowl. And they're one of my five who can go all the way and win the Super Bowl. I told you last week, five teams or two weeks ago, whatever it was. I'm still on five teams. Give me the Chiefs, Buffalo, Bengals. Niners or Eagles, those are our Super Bowl winners. But who wins what playoff games, how it goes down, and who's in the Super Bowl? Kevin, this is so cool. Because if Tom Brady fights his way through the playoffs, for instance, if Tom Brady hosts the Dallas Cowboys, I'm going to have to think a long time before I can possibly say I think the Cowboys are going to beat Tampa. Does that make sense? I think Tampa's defense is going to show up because they got Super Bowl-level players. And I think Tom Brady is going to get fired up for a game. But how would you like to play Green Bay? If Aaron Rodgers makes it, I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers' teams that he's been with the Green Bay, and you've been saying about McCarthy being the coach, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been bringing great teams with 13-3 and or 13-4 and records into the playoffs, Kevin. He has been doing it himself. He puts a team on his back, makes unbelievable throws, and just goes and wins games. He can win games by himself better than Tom Brady can do it. Tom Brady will beat you in the last five minutes, guaranteed, if you give him a chance. But Aaron Rodgers can put his whole team on his back, and so this version of Green Bay is not much different than the 13-4 and version. Does that make sense? I thought they were a fraud last year at 13-4, and and now I think they're dangerous. He makes a playoffs, and Brady makes a playoffs, and the <laughs> NFC, you got to hold your breath. Do you want to be – if you're the Philadelphia right. Eagles or the yeah, 49ers, do yeah. you want Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers to be walking onto the field for your playoff game? And, Kevin, that's scary as heck. No, but if I'm so the Chiefs, I, think, I, don't... I think drama is on the it, table, it, man. It, We're going to have great drama. Yeah. The playoffs are going to be ridiculous because, like, if I'm on the Chiefs, I don't want to see the Chargers. I've already said it. That's the last thing I want to see is the Chargers. Let's finish with this, Dan. You've been uh, broadcasting games for almost 40 years, I guess now. And I know you're a, a real aficionado of a great broadcast. And I assume did you, you didn't go to the game Saturday. Did you watch at home the Chiefs game? Oh, yeah. I, I watched at home, definitely. Okay. All right. I tweeted out, you and I both know Kevin Kugler, and we have for a long time, the guy who called the game for Fox Sports. And he's just his career is just climbing and climbing and climbing. They have paired him with Mark Sanchez, who I, this is maybe the third time or maybe fourth time I've heard Sanchez call a game. Dude, he was born to do this. Mark Sanchez was born to do this, not do the butt fumble, okay, not play in the NFL. Mark Sanchez is fun. He's interesting. He clearly knows football, but he doesn't take it so seriously that he can't have some fun during the broadcast. This is the best Fox Sports team right now. I thought they were just sensational on Saturday. Did you catch any of that or notice that, or am I just whistling into the wind? No, I think they definitely deserve the words to be underrated because they don't have the big names that you've been used to. And I think the Fox number one crew right now, which is crazy that they're Olsen's going to be doing the Super Bowl because Tom Brady's got the big contract and he didn't, he's not there this year. So Fox has the Super Bowl. Fox has the Super Bowl. And you think about all the lead candidates 
of the play-by-play and color guys who are out there that we've gotten used to at the big networks, and none of them are at Fox right now. So you're talking about their top crew does not fit in the category of top crew, and then you mentioned another one with Kugler and Sanchez. So I think both of those deserve a lot more open-minded listening. You know, you can say Tony Romo, I'm a Romo fan, I'm a Cowboy fan, I'm, I'm a Romo broadcast fan. I have nothing against Romo, but his reputation is so strong that he kind of gets a, a lot of his love from, hey, I remember three seasons ago when Romo did this or that. Sanchez has some of that in him. He's a natural. He expresses himself well. And so I think both the Fox crews that people basically don't know who they are, uh, and you mentioned one we had with the Chiefs, and I'm gonna, even their number one crew, are give them a chance, are solidly good, interesting, and, and don't make mistakes, and do a pretty good job. And they're upbeat and they're enjoying it. And I think at home, you enjoy the broadcast. I always say this. When, when I'm doing a broadcast with my partners, Kevin, and I'm always the analyst, right? So I'm a partner with you on this. You take the lead. Or if I'm a Danny Klinkscale or Wyatt Thompson or Mitch Holtis or, you know, wherever I am, or if I'm doing a TV broadcast, I think that the team ought to portray themselves well enough that it's like they're the parents and there's kids in the back who are listening. The kids should be calm and, and say, man, our parents really get along. Our parents are on the same page. They are a compliment to each other. They got this. That's what I think a broadcast team should do. And it really seems like the crew you're talking about right now uh, with Kugler and Sanchez, they seem to be, if I'm the kid listening in the background, like they got this. It's It's funny you describe it that way because here's how I listen to Sanchez. And this is, this is the ultimate compliment from me personally, because this is what I like. When I listen to him, I start wondering, is he about to say something that's going to get him fired? And, and to me, that's all I care about. I'm like, he's, he's so out there. He's saying things right now. I'm like, is he, is he going to get something that's going to get him demoted or fired or his bosses aren't going to like it? I'm like, I want something different a lot of times. And I just thought he was completely different. We've had so many Chiefs broadcasts this year that have been exactly the same. Tyreek Hill isn't here and da 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 da. It's just a formula every stinking week. And these guys just showed up and crushed it. It was completely different than every other Chiefs broadcast this year. I loved it. Yeah, and I think that, you know, again, Sanchez reminds me a little bit of Romo, saying things that you don't expect people to right. say. Yes. And Romo's hit it. Romo's hit it big. And I, I thought Sanchez, for me, you know, to be fair, what was I thinking when I heard it? Generally positive, but a little cheesy on the edges. Yes, yes. And I, you know, I just, I'm not into, I think Olsen takes less cheese. And so I take right. Olsen over Sanchez. Okay. But here's the thing Sanchez with Sanchez. Be the number- I, I totally hear you on the cheesy part, except here's what I believe. That's really him. He's not forcing anything. Sometimes I feel like Romo forces it or did last year a little, maybe more than this year. Yeah, I, I think, I Romo, think, I think is, Romo's... Dude, I think that's exactly who Mark Sanchez is. Yeah, I'll say I listened to Sanchez two games in a row with intent. Uh, I think he must have done a Cowboys game the week before. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've got Sanchez in my head, and the, the cheese was a little thick for me. <laughs> uh, but, I love it. But, but only only at times, you know. Yeah. Never felt, I never was like, uh, I just said, well... Do you have to use that analogy? Do you have to use, you know, he was, he was talking about his family one time. Like, yes. Well, my grandpa would like that or something. I yes. go, you know. He said, this is what no my grandma used to grandpa. say. My grandma Maria no used to say. Yeah. You know, 
but but I do think Romo. First of all, John Madden changed everything. John Madden drew on the, the sure. screen. The screen. He taught everybody football. He made the producers show football differently, and everybody does it. Different is good. And then he also explained it. Not yep. Madden football really explained it to the to the masses. But before that, I was learning stuff. I mean, he was yep. drawing things, Kevin, and even teaching me. And and I go, this guy's unbelievable. But then Madden had to be a character of himself. Right. You know, the the producers started saying they tried to make it funny and make him respond rather than it be natural. And that was so hard. I thought he pulled it off. I yeah. thought he was so confident in himself that he just stuck with it and he never got caught up into being anything other than the real John Matt. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. And I think but I, they were trying to produce him. I, they were trying to produce him to be, you know, John Matt. And I'll bet and you I they're, Romo, I'll bet you they're trying CBS, to pull, I'll bet you they're trying to pull Sanchez back. And they shouldn't, because I think that's really who he is. That and he's done it two straight games where I've listened to every word he said, and I think it is real, and I think that's really cool. Yes, and and that's what he needs to stay because I think Romo hit a home run by just being Tony Romo is so relaxed just by being Romo, he's like ah oh, whatever. And he just was sitting there talking when the Chiefs Patriots game was unfolding and going, here's the coverage, and they're going to throw here, and he got into this mode of hey, you can predict these plays all right. Then they gave him the biggest contract ever, right? right? He makes, what, double Jim Nance? Jim Nance is CBS. But Nance, I love how Nance works with his partners. I love how he tries to make bring the best out of them, and I think they do a good job. But this is just my opinion if we want to get really, really splitting the hairs. I think there are times where Romo's trying to live up to being right. Romo. I agree. You know, rather than just being himself, being himself and doing the game. And, and there are stretches of the game, for instance, Yesterday, when he was doing the Rams game, I thought it was really good having Romo on that game because he would say things and look at it differently than anybody else in the world, which meant it kept it interesting. Yeah, I mean, not for me. Hey, <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, the game was over. Yeah, but over. think about the extra quarter that I watched yeah. that you did. I mean, I'm, just, I'm not saying you had three extra quarters I watched. You might have had an extra half, it's Stan. <laughs> it's hard to get me off a game, and that, that game did it. Yeah. I didn't watch the yeah. last quarter and a half. But yeah. I'm just saying, you see, Romo, when he's just himself and relaxed, can make even a blowout interesting because he's pointing out, like he was saying, he was telling it, like he was showing why McVay as a head coach is elite. You know, oh, he, look. not because they're ahead. He's just going, I know their season hasn't been very good, but look at this. Look at how they switched their tight ends on this route. He was just talking to yeah. it because it was just blowout city. Yeah. And I thought if Romo relaxes and just says, um, I'm not going to try to prove anything, then I think it, that's the best Romo rather than trying to live up to the contract and be Romo every week. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. The, sure. the, the real raw Romo is what makes him, and he's got to just wait for his moments. He'll predict a play here or there, but he doesn't have to try to live up to that reputation. Yeah, so you. if I were talking to Sanchez, I would say stay real. You know, Be, be you. unique and stay real, yeah. and don't let the producers try to turn you into – like every week, let's talk about an Italian sandwich your mo- your grandma yeah, likes. No, you know, yeah. don't do that. Just right. let him talk about what he wants to. Does that I make sense? It. That's 100%. what I. Yes. Be real. Be real's the whole deal, for sure. That's awesome. You be real with your call on Saturday at the Sugar Bowl. Have a great week down there. I know your whole family's going, and and I hope you guys have a great great time. And we'll see what happens with K State and Alabama on Saturday. It's going to be a great week of football, Stan. I can't thank you enough for getting the week started so great for us. Well, thanks you, Kevin. Uh, Merry Christmas to all. We, we mentioned real quickly that 
Kansas, for instance, has a big game, everything to gain, nothing to lose. I did not say those words well enough, so before I go, I want to say this. This is the perfect opponent for K-State. Stinking gold standard. Nothing to ever be embarrassed about, no matter what happens on the field. But what a reference point it is for us, because this K-State team is just like a lot of K-State teams, right? This is K-State football. How does it match up against Alabama? And if it does match up, Kevin, and K-State is in a close game or finds a way to win, it is off the charts. Can you imagine if K-State is good enough to legitimately fight Nick Saban's Alabama in a Sugar Bowl and beat them? That just changes everything we think about K-State football every week. We can say we love it, but we don't ever go around with our heads popped up and say, we are as good as anybody in the country. If K-State beats Alabama on Saturday, we can say looking back five years plus and looking forward five years plus, don't take a back seat to anybody. Don't be humble in the Midwest. Tell them Big 12, K-State football is elite. That's the possibility. Nothing to lose. But, man. If K-State wins, it is off the charts. Cool stuff, Stan. Be safe. Have fun. Appreciate your time. Okay, Kevin. Take care. Take care. He is Stan Weber, and what a great week for he and much of his family as they'll be traveling to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl on Saturday. Have the call on the K-State Network. Stan's football feast appearance on KKHI brought to you by Advanced Medical Imaging online at medimageks.com. Why wait on an MRI or a CT scan? When you can do this much more easily than in some hotel or hospital chain that takes weeks and weeks and weeks. Advanced medical imaging online at medimageks.com. Cross Kitchens KC, Tim Cross and his team would love to meet you this year and talk to you about the dreams for your home, whether it's remodeling a kitchen, a bathroom, a man cave, or just some new floors or countertops. Cross Kitchens can do it for you and your family. Most jobs take two weeks or less. His craftsmen have been with him for years and years. CrossKitchensKC.com. And, of course, Aaron and the gang over at Advantage Termite and Pest Control, the only pest control company I've ever used. Uh, It's time to make the switch. If you want to set up annual service for 2023, give Advantage a call. Right now at 913-768-8989. Tell them you heard about it on KKHI and you want to make the switch. You may be with a great company that is a national corporation that you've been using for years and years and years, and they've been fine. These are great local people. They're great conservative local people, and that's who we want to try to do business with when we can. The switch to Advantage will make you feel pretty good about who you're doing business with, and they are the best. Online at Advantage TPC, that's Advantage Termite and Pest Control, AdvantageTPC.com, and you know you can find all our sponsors at The KK List. The KKList.com has all the sponsors in one place. Don't forget to go there anytime you want to buy any goods or services. We've vetted all these companies for you. We know these people, and we know that we are uh, like-minded. We're on the same train. We want the same things for our great country, and we would love it if you gave them the opportunity to earn your business. Just go to the KKList.com. That's the KKList.com, and find a uh, retail outlet or service provider that fits your needs. Uh, again, Merry Christmas. Hope you had a great holiday this past weekend, and we thank you very much for listening to KKHI. Tell your friends about it. Have them hit that subscribe button. We can use all the subscribers daily that we can possibly get. That's always a good thing. And we'll look forward to the new year and hope you have a great bowl week as well. We'll do full podcasts all week this week. We'll be around um, like a bad cold. I won't go away. So we're here for you around the holidays at Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. 
presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Ah!